Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. A year ago, I was challenged with this message from 1 Corinthians on how to be intentional in sharing your faith. And then the person who gave it to me challenged me to bring it back to my church and bring it to you. And I wanted to give it to you immediately, um, but I just never want to just bring you information that isn't coming from my heart or I know that, or maybe I do or don't know that it works or will make a difference in your life. So I've been field testing what I'm about to give you for the last year. And I'm so glad I waited because I'm even more excited today to share it with you. We're going to be in a section of the Bible written by the greatest evangelist ever. I mean, just shared his faith with so many. In fact, much of what we know about God today is still from, from him and his steadfastness and his endurance and his clarity and him seeking God and, and believing God like he did. And he's writing a letter, it's the Apostle Paul, he's writing a letter to uh, a church in Corinth, so it's called Corinthians, it's the first letter he wrote to them, so it's 1 Corinthians, and it's his blueprint for evangelism. So wouldn't you like to know how the Apostle Paul thought about evangelism? I mean, he was so successful in, in, in reaching people, how did he do it? What did he think about? How did he make it, make it happen? And he says, let me just give you the way that I do it. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 19. He says, even though I am, I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, so right, we're, we're free in Christ, I have voluntarily become a servant. Didn't have to. I'm a child of God, but I voluntarily became a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, Loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, and here's that word again, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life, I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world and I tried to experience things from their point of view. And I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did this all. I did all this because of the message. I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Don't you want to be in on it? I don't want to just talk about it in weekend services. I don't want to just preach it. I don't want to just hear about it. I don't want to just think about it here. I want to be in on it. I want to be in on it. Paul tells us that we must be intentional in sharing our faith. We've got to be intentional because remember how we started our year. Everything worthwhile is uphill. Everything worthwhile in your life and anything that's going to last in your life, anything good is uphill. And it takes intentionality to get there. And Paul says we've got to be intentional in the following areas to share our faith. He says, number one, well, he said, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all. I voluntarily became a servant to any and all. So what's he saying? He's saying intentionally add value, if you're taking notes, to lost people. 
He says, I'm not a servant, but I'm going to become a servant, and that's how I'm going to add value to people. I'm going to earn their respect. You've got to earn people's respect. You, you do that by adding value to their life. Don't share your faith until you've added value to someone's life, until you've served them in some way. Ask yourself, how can I value people? How can I serve the people around me? How can I add value to someone who doesn't know me? How can I add value to someone who can never even repay me? No strings attached. You got to earn their respect before they'll give you a relationship. So I worked in customer service for years. And when you work in customer service and when you work with that many people, you're meeting new people all day, every day. You're just meeting new people all the time. And in my years of working in customer service, I was evangelized by so many people and so many different people. A lot of Christians, I mean, they're customers that would come in. They didn't know I was a believer, and they'd share their faith. So I was evangelized by Christians, by every religion, by knockoffs of Christianity, by weird stuff I'd never even heard of. I mean, I've just, I've had people share their faith with me a lot. And while I was working there for a time, I worked with a girl who was not a Christian. She, was, she wasn't a believer. She didn't really believe in anything. And she was kind and fun and great to work with. She was also very far from God. And she had a lot of family struggles and issues. And she wasn't really hungry uh, to know about Christianity or know about my faith. But I, myself and the other believers who worked there were the only Christ followers she knew or was even ever in contact with. And so I'm watching like every word and looking for any opportunity. I'm trying to be a good coworker. I'm trying to be generous, trying to be a good friend, looking for any opportunity to present my Lord and Savior in the best way, in the best way. And then meanwhile, one day we're praying at church for the lost people that we know. And one of the things that we were praying for them was that believers would cross their path, that godly people would cross, cross their path and be friends with them. And I just stopped and wondered, am I the person that someone is praying would cross her path? Like, am I the, is, does she have like a grandparent or some relative or someone that cares about her that's praying a believer would cross her path, and I'm the answer to that prayer. Have you ever thought about that? You could be the answer to someone's prayer. And so that just became even more motivation to live a Jesus-following life because I'm, I'm the only representation of that in her life, and I'm praying for her salvation. I'm trying to add value to her life. But we're working with these customers, and she's hearing all this, I mean, all these other things. And she's actually hearing about Christianity a lot. But, but people would just give her tracts and literature and just spew things and leave. And then she'd ask me about it and I'd have, to, I'd have to clean up whatever someone just said or explain something. And then I remember one time a customer gave her a tip and left. And she opened it up and it was fake money with the gospel on the back. A Christian didn't encourage her, didn't ask her her name, just gave her, this broke girl who's working her way through college, fake money with an explanation of true riches on the back. 
can I confess my anger to you today? I mean, Jesus says it's a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, not an empty glass with an etching about living water on it. (laughs) Serve them. Add value. Let it cost you something. 1 Thessalonians 2.8 says, We loved you so much that we shared with you, yes, God's good news, but not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Don't just slip the gospel in their locker and run. Don't just slip it in the mailbox and run. You know, don't, don't just share the good news. Share your life too. Like, add value to their life. Like, I don't know, maybe give them real money. Serve them. Be their friend. Add value. So over the course of time, I was able to share my faith with her, and she even took me up on a couple of invites to church. But I don't work there anymore, and she's moved away. And she's not a believer today. And now I'm the one that is desperately praying that she'll have a godly friend in her life who really cares about her and adds value to her life and will share the best news ever with her again so she can hear it again. Add value to their life. Number two, Paul says in order to reach a wide range of people, he lists just a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. So what are we to do? What are we to intentionally do? We're to intentionally include everyone, if you're taking notes, everyone. For God so loved the world. I think that's everyone. That he gave his one and only son that whoever. Okay, so say this with me. Say, God loves me. Now look to your neighbor and say, God loves you. God loves people I don't know. Come on, say, God loves people I don't know. God loves people I don't like. And there it is. There's a whole bunch of people we don't like. And if you go through the Gospels, one thing that you'll see and that will just absolutely blow you away is that Jesus liked these people. I mean, the most godly person that's ever walked the planet, sinless, loved, and even liked these sinners and these wretched people such as us. And if you want to be like Jesus, you value everyone. You're most like Jesus when you have a greater desire to connect with people than you do to correct people. Because God doesn't change us to accept us. He accepts us. And and then he changes us. But he loves us first. He accepts us first. You see, the lost people in your life, just think about the lost people at your school, your friends, neighbors, your family. The biggest deal to God is not that they missed church last week. The biggest deal to God is not that they're living with their boyfriend or their girlfriend. The biggest deal to God is not that they get drunk. The biggest deal to God is not that they're in a same-sex relationship. It's not that they're stealing, that they're gossiping, that they have uncontrolled lust, uncontrolled anger raging in them. Now, don't email me. I'm not saying that any single one of those is not a sin. Or that any single one of those is not a big deal to God. 
But things like those rise up in the lost people's life around us, and we think that's their biggest issue. Yes, God cares about those things, but his primary concern about a lost person is that they have been infected with a venomous snake bite, and they're not going to make it. His primary concern is that they're lost. They're dead. His primary concern is that someone is robbing him of their worship. Someone is robbing him of their worship. And that someone is ultimately an enemy that has a plan for their life. The enemy has a plan for their life. The enemy has a plan for my life. The enemy has a plan for your life. And that plan is not that you just kind of run your car off into an immoral ditch and live a sloppy, messy, sinful life. No, his plan is that you find a little G-O-D and you serve it every day of your life so much so that you become blind to God, spiritually blind to God, and disconnected to him forever. So the person who has not acknowledged Jesus Christ and surrendered their life to him, yet lives a very moral, good, meticulous, upstanding life, is in just as bad shape as the most immoral, bad, despicable, dishonorable person. Lost is lost. Dead is dead. Snake bit is snake bit. And they may be morally good, they may be morally bad, they're still infected. And you're like Jesus when you love and value everyone. Colossians 3.13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Here's what happens in our relationships. I'm just speaking from my heart today, okay? You know when someone does something that rubs you the wrong way? And you don't talk to them about it, you don't forgive them, and you don't just get over it, you just kind of let it sit there. And what ends up happening is it starts to fester. And now it's like everything the person does drives you nuts. Anybody else? Only me? It's like they didn't load the dishwasher, and now just the way they walk into the room. They didn't give me the day off that I wanted. They didn't give me that raise. So now the way they run the meeting, the way they send the email, the way they do everything drives you crazy. You got to protect yourself from that. Okay? It'll ruin the relationships you have and even more, I mean, it'll ruin your witness with those that you could reach. Make allowance for each other's faults. Talk to them, forgive them, or just get over it. That other person, that other company, That other church, that other pastor, that other family, that other husband, that other wife, that other thing over there, it looks better from a distance. That other city looks better from a distance. That other church, that other family looks better from a distance. But people will disappoint you, and you get up close to them, you get up close to it, it'll disappoint you too. And you don't just keep moving around to find the ideal thing. You learn how to deal with disappointment. You learn how to forgive as God forgives you. And so maybe you're struggling to, to, to make allowance for people's faults. Maybe you're struggling to, to like them or have something in common with the lost people in your life because it's like, man, we live next door to each other, but I'm living this life over here and they're living that life over there. You gotta find common ground. Here's what that is. You gotta find the 1% you agree on and give it 100% of the effort. Just dig and dig and dig and dig and dig and dig and dig until you can find the 1% that you have in common, the 1% you agree on, 
And once you find it, give it 100% of the effort. Now, here's what Christians are becoming known for. They're becoming known for digging and digging and digging to find the 1% we disagree on and giving that 100% of the effort. You don't have to be like them to reach them, but you do have to like them. I don't have to be like them to reach them, but I do have to like them. And their lifestyle may make me uncomfortable, and it may make you uncomfortable. But this is a sin problem. Only Jesus can fix it. This is a cross issue. We can't just wall up our doors and windows and come out every once in a while to vote and think legislation's going to fix all this. We've got to include everyone. We've got to love them. We've got to learn to like them. We've got to learn to find the common ground. And we've got to intentionally include everyone, not just those who are easy to be around or those who think they're worth our time. You know, one of my favorite things at Rockbrook is, is that when someone comes through the door and they give their life to Christ, and then they get up in front of the church and they'll get baptized, and then someone will find them after the baptism and go, you? I remember you in high school. I didn't think you'd ever get saved. Don't give up on anybody. Number three, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. What's he saying? He's saying he's solid. He knows who he is, and he's not compromising that. He's not going to give that away. Hanging around lost people isn't going to tank his theology. It's not going to tank his doctrine. It's not going to tank who he is. It's not going to tank his, his Christian life. So number three, I've got to intentionally know who I am in Christ. You truly find out who you are when you hang around lost people. Because it's easy to love Jesus right now. Hey, we're surrounded by Christians. We're hearing the word. This is, this is powerful. And, and just, but you find out who you are when you are surrounded by lost people. And you've got to remember, I've got to remember who I am in Christ. I'm saved. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I live for the glory of God the Father. I've got the Holy Spirit, God himself, inside of me. Hope burning in my heart. And some of you, it's amazing that you work, there are people in our church, folks, who work in the darkest place imaginable. I mean, it is just dark. And it's amazing to me how solid you stay in your faith and how you're able to share the good news and what you're able to do and and how you're able to, man, come back to church every week and your commitment to the Lord. It's amazing. Some of you, you get around lost people, though, and it just, like, tanks your faith immediately. You're back, right back into all that bad habits, all the old stuff. You're not solid enough to have a witness. And that's why our vision for you at Rockbrook goes so far beyond just salvation. Like, our vision for you is not just salvation. That's the starting point. Like, here's our vision at Rockbrook. We want you to know God. So a lot of you, you came, when you started coming to Rockbrook, you didn't know anything about God. Now, now, not only do you know a lot about God, you know God. He's your Lord. He's your Savior. You trust in Him. You believe in Him. You have a relationship with Him. But you can't stop there. Because you can know God and be saved, be going to heaven when you die, and still have a bunch of junk in your heart and in your life. Wounds that you haven't learned how to deal with unforgiveness, bitterness, addictions, control issues. And we want to help you find freedom from those. 
We don't want it to just stop at salvation when there's freedom available. There's freedom at the table. So through Celebrate Recovery and small groups, because we believe if we get you around godly people and you'll open up and you'll be willing to work through that stuff, you can absolutely find freedom. And we want you to dis- discover purpose. We'll help you that with the growth track. In fact, this afternoon, I'm going to start step one of the growth track again. I teach that class. I invite you to that. You can come today. Anyone can come today. And we'll help you discover purpose and you learn a little bit about the, our church and, and the purposes of the church, like why God wanted to start a church on earth. And, and we'll help you even discover things about you so that then we can make a difference. Then you can be solid enough to actually make a difference in a lost person's life without them just influencing you, that you can influence them. So we want to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. In Matthew 5, Jesus says who we are in Christ. If I've got to know who I am in Christ, he says, well, here's who you are in Christ. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Salt and light. Salt makes things better. Light make things, makes things brighter. And when you become salt and light, you become a dealer in hope. Every person has a homing device inside of them looking for hope. Because you can live a few days without water. You can live several days without food. You can't live one second without hope. And everybody has a homing device in them looking for hope. And you are the salt. You are the light. Salt makes things palatable. Do you know what makes the earth palatable? The church. The body of Christ. Us. We see what happens in prophecy when the church gets removed from the earth. The earth is no longer palatable. And it's not very long at all until everything just goes to... Because without the church, there's no hope. You're the salt. You're the light. You're what makes the world bright. You're what makes the earth palatable. And when you meet a lost person, you know what you ought to say? They're looking for me. I'm the person they're looking for. Because they're looking for people who are full of hope. So you ought to look for people who are looking for hope, that are looking for God. When you look for people who are looking for God, God says, I can trust you with that person. Paul goes on and he says, but I entered their world. What are we to do? Number four, if you're taking notes, intentionally enter their world. When I know who I am in Christ, that I'm salt and light, I can intentionally enter their world. Matthew 9, chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus says that, or it says that Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Jesus went, Jesus saw, and Jesus was moved. Jesus went, Jesus saw, and Jesus was moved. When you enter their world, you'll be filled with compassion. You'll be moved to compassion. The closer you are with them, with them, the more you love them. When Lauren and I lived in an apartment, we had a neighbor who lived in our building. It drove me nuts. I mean, drove me, drove me crazy. And whenever, we w- whenever I would drive into the apartment complex and I saw a moving truck, I just hoped and prayed they were moving. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, one time I went and talked with them. 
And uh, I saw their life and heard a little bit about their story, and I was moved. I was moved to compassion. I went, and I saw, and I was moved. This is what Jesus did. He came, and he said, I'll enter their world, and I'll put on the robe of humanity. I'll live where where they live. I'll feel what they feel. I'll experience what they experience. He said, God, hold nothing back. I want to experience it all. I want to experience the suffering, pain, death, homelessness, all of it. Don't lose your passion and compassion for lost people. Don't lose your passion and your compassion for lost people. Someone entered your world. Someone accepted you. Someone told you about Jesus Christ. Someone loved you. Number five, Paul said, I I entered their world, and he goes on and says, and tried to experience things from their point of view. If you're taking notes, what he did was intentionally experience things from their point of view. If you, if you can get them to love you, you got a chance that they'll love God. If they don't love you, they're not going to love your God. I have a friend that I've been trying to add value to and share my faith with, and, and he asked me early on as we were talking, he says, is this a faith thing or a friend thing? And it kind of took me off guard. And I said, both. And I got to thinking about it later, it's got to be both. Because if I've got this faith, how could I not become his friend to share it with him? And if I'm really his friend, why wouldn't I share with him the most personal, powerful thing about me? Like, how could I not share that with a friend? And it's got to be both. It's got to be both. So I'm going to enter their world and I'm going to experience things from their point of view. And when you start sharing your faith with people guess what? They start asking you questions. And they ask you weird questions. Like, I mean, you go in with a planned conversation, and it's not long till there's a curveball that you have no idea what to say. And what you say is, I don't know the answer to that question, but if you give me a couple days, I'll go find out, and can we talk about this again? And guess what? After long enough of doing that, and after long enough of hearing these questions, after a while, you know what's going to happen? You'll know all the answers. Now, for some of you, you're waiting and waiting and waiting, and you're trying to store up knowledge, and you're trying to learn the answer to every question before you share your faith. It's never going to work. You'll never retain the knowledge anyway. It's just wasted knowledge. And you don't know if, that, if the lost person that you're going to be empathic with is going to care about that or not. Reach out. Find out their question. Experience things from their point of view. Then learn the answer. And your faith will grow leaps and bounds. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is what? This is why some of the most brilliant, deepest Christians in our church are young people. The young people in our church are surrounded every day by more lost people than I'll be in contact with in a month. I learned so much from them. They're amazing. I mean, and they keep their faith and stay strong in their faith at Great odds against their faith. I talked to a, a teen small group leader a little while ago who told me that I've been a Christian all my life and I am learning more now leading this teen small group than I've ever learned in my life. I talked to an RBFK small group leader and they said, the f- Christianity and faith in God is the clearest to me it's ever been. 
Some of you need to just step forward and open up a teen small group and, and let them meet in your house and lead them and love them and care for them and then take notes and learn yourself. Start Help out in Rockbrook for Kids, small groups. It's amazing what it'll do to your faith. Learn what they learn. Hear what they hear. You are wise. Number six, he, Paul says, I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. He's being, he's being creative. Number six is being, be creative to move people toward God. He says, if one kind of servanthood worked over here, well, maybe it's not going to work over here, so I'm going to be creative, become the kind of servant I need to be over here. I believe that deep down, everybody wants to know God. Everybody. Even atheists. Atheists don't believe in God, but have you noticed they sure do miss him? You've got to be creative to move them toward God. Plant seeds of curiosity. You ought to write that phrase down. Plant seeds of curiosity. The other day I was talking with someone, and they asked me where I work. And whenever anyone asks me that, I'm just like, oh, no. Because if I tell them I'm a pastor, you can see it in their eyes. Have I cussed? <laughs> like they're just thinking back over the conversation, everything they've said. I said, well, I work for a church. And they said, oh, what church? I said, Rockbrook. They said, good grief, how many people work for that church? <laughs> I said, 401. She goes, What? I said, yeah, 401, we call them the dream team. They all serve out of their gifts and passion. We work, we work hard, make church incredible, serve other people. And she, uh, she has a one-and-a-half-year-old. That was her common ground. It took me a while to find it. I've got a one-and-a-half-year-old. She has a one-and-a-half-year-old. So that's her common ground. And she says, you know, I, I, uh, she says, I love to come to your church, but I work six days a week, and by the time I get home on Saturday night, I'm just, I just want to spend time at home with my kid not go anywhere. You know what I mean? I said, I know exactly what you mean. And I could not imagine raising my kid without God and that church. Because people in that church, they love my kid almost as much as I do. And they teach me how to be a parent and help babysit. They've helped in so many ways. And I can't imagine the last year and a half without them. She said, I've never thought about it that way. Don't make lost people mad. Just make them hungry. Just plant seeds of curiosity where they say, I've never thought about it that way. Make them hungry. You're the salt. You're the light. You're what makes the earth palatable. Church, you're what makes life on earth livable. And when people talk about the problems of the world and the darkness and how scary it is and how dysfunctional it is, don't just join in and say, I wish you had my peace right now. And they'll think, they've got a piece I don't have? I told someone once, I wish you had my perspective right now. And they said, what cable news channel do you watch? I'm like, yeah, that's my perspective, a cable news channel you don't know about. That's what it is. (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. But just plant seeds of curiosity. I wish you had my strength right now. They have a strength I don't have. I wish you had what empowered me to not not worry so much. They don't worry like I do. Know who you are in Christ. Make them hungry for the salt and the light. 
think, how could I phrase this in such a way that they're asking me about it? I was talking to someone lately. I wanted to tell them about Serve Day. I just thought they would think Serve Day was cool. But I didn't want to just tell them about Serve Day because I knew it wouldn't land. So I'm like, how could I just phrase this in a way that they ask me about it? So I said, you know, our church did something uh, recently that really blew away our expectations. It was really amazing. And I was just quiet for a little while. And finally he looked up from his phone and said, well, what did you do? There it is. Got him to look up from his phone. Got him to look at me. Got him to ask me a question. Now he's listening. So just say, what, what, what can, how can I do, what, how can I just phrase this to where they're interested or they'll even ask me about it? I know a business guy who travels around and, and when he speaks, he says, uh, there's four essential ways to care for people. I'm going to give you three. And then what happens is he leaves and they tackle him in the elevator and line up by the dozens to hear the fourth. I know what it's like. If I leave a blank empty on the outline, some of you are like, no one's leaving until we get this filled in. (laughs) Make people curious. Make people hungry. Then he tells them about God. Colossians 4, 5 says to make the most of every opportunity. Be gracious in your speech. The goal, the goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation. Not put them down, not cut them out. Now next week, I'll teach you how to have a gospel conversation. Next week is dynamic gospel conversations. I'll give you some resources. Don't miss next week, but be creative. Number seven, he says, I did this all because of the message. I did all this because of the message. I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. So we're going to intentionally experience God at work. The moment you get your heart on what God's heart is on, the moment you have a heart that's broken for lost people, there's an anointing and a covering and a power for you. It'll radically change your life. It's the Holy Spirit at work. So when when you have a conversation with a lost person, there's actually three people there. There's three people in the conversation. There's you, the lost person, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's in you doing something you can't see. And you may feel like a failure, and you may think like none of these seeds that are being planted are growing, but the Holy Spirit's there doing something to them that you can't see. And the Holy Spirit is doing something that we cannot do. Because you have the power to tell them about it. You don't have the power to save. God has the power to save. And he's there doing something in their life that we cannot do. And God is preparing people for you to share their faith. Luke, for you to share your faith. Luke 10, 2 says the harvest is abundant. For there are many who need to hear the good news about salvation. But the workers, those available to proclaim the message of salvation, they're few. I believe it's become a conviction that there are thousands of people in our community that would take one step closer to Jesus today if someone just told them. If someone just brought it up, I don't want to just talk about it. I want to be in on it. I'm not interested in doing a series on go and tell and just moving on to the next thing. There's too much at stake. 
And I'll tell you one thing that's at stake is the power of God. A while ago, I got so frustrated with God because I would read and hear about power and I'd never experience it. It was like every day I'd read about the power of God and it was like a promise that wasn't being delivered. And I'd read that every promise is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And I just became so hungry for the power of God. And just even so frustrated with God that I wasn't experiencing it. Then I heard this message and I started sharing my faith and I'm like, God, I get it. That's the power, that's where the power is. It's when my heart becomes broken for what your heart is broken for. It's when, it's when I want to leverage that power for what you want the power leveraged for. It's when I'm interested in what you're interested in. And that's the, you've got some lost kids. You ever lost a kid? God says, I have. And that's all I can think about. And if you'll think about it, I'll give you some power to make it happen. Read this together. It says, give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his great name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Let's make known among the nations what he has done. He's great. Let's share God's good news. Not only the good news, not only the information. Let's share our own lives as well. Can I share my life with you? I was hopeless. And God gave me hope. And I was focused on all the wrong things. And God enlightened me and gave me the eyes to see. And God gave me a perspective and a peace. And I was headed for hell. Did you know that there are a lot of lost people out there that believe that God sends people to hell? They've never heard. They got the wrong God. God doesn't send people to hell. He saves people from hell. God does everything in his power to rescue you from hell. God does everything. He'll give whatever he's got to give. He'll give his, himself to rescue you from hell. My God doesn't send people to hell. He saves. He frees. He provides. He restores. He redeems. He loves. He has compassion. That's my God. That's my King. And I'll make known among the nations what He has done. I'll praise Him with everything I've got. Because that's my King. Would you stand and pray with me? Heavenly Father, give us a great passion for lost people. God, I don't want to just see it. I don't want to just talk about it. I don't want to just preach it. I don't want to just hear it here. I want to be in on it. God, intentionally, I want to add value to the people around me. I don't want to be harsh. I don't want to be stingy. I don't want to be grumpy. God, I don't want to hate people. I want to love people. And God, I'll just tell you today, it's okay if sharing my faith costs me something because it costs you everything. And God, help me to include everyone. God, you know who I need to forgive. You know who I don't like. You know who makes me uncomfortable. You know who annoys me. You know who rubs me the wrong way. You know who's disappointed me. But you forgive and accept me. And I can do that for others. God, help me to know who I am in Christ. so I can be solid enough to leave the 99 to go after the one that's lost. God, show me how to enter their world, how to have compassion and compassion on them. Help me to experience things from their point of view. You said those who win souls is wise. I want to become wise. 
Help me to become creative. God, I don't feel like I'm very creative. But I want to make people hungry for what I have. So God, give me ideas. Give me the words. God, get me around uh, other believers that are creative so I can learn from them. God, I want to be in on it. When all the earth shouts your praise, I want to be in on it. (laughs) It's you who gives life and breath and everything else. So we owe our life and breath and everything else to you. You are so good. Great are you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.